Hi everyone, it's Andrew Sampson from Ross Video and today we will be covering creating text objects, formatting text and also creating fonts in expression. So to start off with, um, we're just in a blank project, uh, an untitled project and I have scene one, uh, which is just a blank scene which we're going to start working in. Pretty basic stuff, um, creating a text object starts with selecting a text object from your object library and if you've seen the object manipulation tutorial you'll see how the object library and the object manager work together as we create objects they will populate here in the object manager same goes for text so we treat text just like any other 3d object in the scene if you want to create a text object go up to the object library it's the very top item in the list you'll see text and we'll create a text object here is our text object in the viewport and you'll see our text object in the object manager labeled as text1. Now I can start typing into that text object. So this is text. So here's our text object. All of the same transformation options apply to text. So if you go to the transform tab, you can change its position, you can change its rotation, and you can change its scale, and also its pivot points as well. So when working with text, Every text object has a uh, special tab in the object inspector called the scene fonts tab. Now, this tab serves a few different purposes because it's not necessarily specific to this text object. The scene fonts tab shows you all of the fonts that live inside of your expression project, as well as the fonts that you're using in your current scene. So this text object that I've just created is using a font that's called font one. And because I have no fonts, pre-existing in my project, I see only that one font called Font1. Now what is Font1? Font1 is really a custom font style that you create in Expression. Any font that you are working with is technically a custom font style, but it's based off of a particular font face. So in this case it's Arial. All of the font faces available within the Windows font library can be selected from this list. And you can select whichever font you want to apply apply to your style. So we could select Gil Sands, for instance. Right? And now we have that font style uh, or that font face applied to this font style. Now because these font styles contain a lot of different attributes, for instance the size, the face, the width, the slant, um, you can apply borders, strokes, drop shadows, things like that. We give them specific names because you may want to use um, Gil Sands, for instance, multiple times within your project. But you may want to apply different attributes like a different border or a different stroke or it might be a different size. So for that reason, we give font specific names. So oftentimes, you'll see names like header, for instance, or heading font. And that indicates that this font that I've just created is used for the heading on my templates. Or maybe it's just used for the full screen headings on my full screen templates. So maybe you would have a name like FS heading. Now, the naming you give is completely up to you. There's really no right or wrong way to do this. But you're going to want to stay organized and you're going to want to give your font specific names so that you can identify them. Um, as your project gets larger and as you start creating uh, additional fonts. Now there's two categories here in the scene fonts tab. You've got used fonts and you have stock fonts. So stock fonts are fonts that live inside the project 
but are not necessarily being used in this scene or are, are not being used in this scene. Used fonts are fonts that you are using in this scene. And there's multiple slots in each category because you could be using multiple font styles in the same scene. You could have a heading that's Arial and you could use Impact for another font, whatever you want. It's completely up to you. Any other font within the project, meaning a font that's referenced by another scene, will exist here in stock. So to illustrate that, I'm going to create a new scene. So we're going to make a new scene. Here it is, scene two. I'm going to create another text object. Now by default, this text object is using the font style that I just created. But if I wanted to, I could assign a different font style to this text object. So I'm going to create a new font style and I'll make it Arial Black, for instance. And we'll double click on it. And now that font is assigned to this text object. Now notice the difference. As I toggle between these two scenes, this library now changes. It's showing me that in this scene, we're using Gil Sans, and in this scene, we're using Arial. So the used and stock fonts will flip-flop as you move from scene to scene. The Scene Fonts tab is always indicating what fonts you're currently referencing in the currently selected scene. All right. We'll come back to fonts momentarily. Now, when you're working with text objects, like I said before, we treat these just like any other object in our scene. So we have full transform control. We can move it left and right, up and down, forwards and backwards. We can rotate, change pivots. Um, fonts have some specific attributes, or text objects have some specific attributes that don't necessarily apply to regular objects or primitives in our scene. For instance, I can change the alignment of my text object by navigating to the tabs and options tab inside the object inspector and changing the alignment of these tabs. Now currently I'm typing in the first tab on this text object. So if I want to change the alignment, I just need to change the alignment of tab one to center. And now I have a center justified text object. I can change it to right justified. I can also change it to comma or dot justified. Perhaps you're doing election results or you're doing um, you know, decimal values that you want listed uh, vertically. If that's the case, you can actually align text objects based on their comma. So they'll type left and right of the comma. And that way it's really easy to align those objects in your scene um, so that all of the dots or all of the commas uh, are in line with one another. Makes for a very symmetrical look when you're doing those types of uh, graphics. So you can change your alignments, left, right, center, comma, dot, etc. So now we have a right justified field. Pretty simple stuff. Inside the tabs and options field, we also have options for auto squeeze, word wrap, and auto scale. So what are those? Um, auto squeeze is basically a constraint point that you can set up on a text object. This is really important, especially when you're building text that needs to fit within a specified area. So you may have a background. For instance, I might have a quad in the background. And I'm just going to make a new material here, and we'll make this red and we will assign it to our quad. So let's imagine that this is our background for our text. I never want my text object to overtype the edges of this quad object. So when I start typing, you'll see I can type right off the end. Now I want to prevent that from happening. 
So we can use the auto squeeze option, which you'll find in the tabs and options um, area in the object inspector, and we can turn on auto squeeze. Now auto squeeze has some nice features in here for automatically calculating the current width of your text object. So it's always a good idea to just type in as many characters as you think would ever fit in the specific area. So I can't really go any wider than that without over typing my background. So once I've put in those characters, I'm going to use the set to current function and the set to current function will measure my current text object and set the max width to whatever this current width is. There you go. 1021. Now if I enable auto squeeze, any text that I enter into that field shrinks to fit. Pretty easy. All right. Now for paragraph applications, you may want to use the word wrap function. And what the word wrap function will do is automatically create line breaks for us in our text object. So once we get to a certain width, it'll automatically create a line break and we'll be typing in a new line. So I'm going to disable auto squeeze and we are going to use word wrap. And again, if we enable word wrap, it sets itself to the current width of our text object. And you'll see that it just automatically starts creating line breaks for us as we type. So pretty easy to set up that type of functionality as well. And lastly, we have an option called Autoscale. And what Autoscale does is it allows us to scale a child object along with our text object. So essentially what's happening is the bounding box of our text object, which is this white, uh, this red box that surrounds our text object, as it grows, we can use that value to also scale a child object, in this case, the quad. So the key to doing this, first step, you have to make whatever object you want to auto scale a child of your text object. So in this case, quad one needs to be a child of text one. So I'm going to select that and drag it onto text one. And you'll see that the quad is now a child. Go back to our text object and we'll go back to tabs and options. And we're going to enable auto scale. And as I start typing in this field, you'll see that that quad object is changing its size. But things are not happening as we would expect them to, right? Our quad object is scaling from its center point, whereas our text object, because it is left justified, is scaling from the left edge. So in order to combat that issue, what you have to do is adjust the pivot position of your child object. So we talked about this when we were doing the object manipulation tutorial. If you haven't watched that, I recommend that you do. But what we're going to do is we're going to select our quad object. We're going to turn on the pivot tool so that we can see where its pivot is. Now we know that our text is, is scaling off its left edge. So in order for our quad to scale off its left edge, I need to offset its pivot to the far left edge. So I'm going to adjust its X position inside the transform tab so that that pivot point is now in line with the left edge of our quad. And now our auto scale functionality works as expected. Both objects are scaling from the same relative pivot position. Now to take this functionality a step further, what if I also want this object to scale vertically as I create more line breaks in my text field? You'll see right now if I create a line break, 
the quad again is scaling in both directions vertically. And again, that's a byproduct of where its pivot position is currently located. So I'm going to go to the quad object and we're going to change the pivot position to be in line with the upper left hand corner because right now my quad scales from this center position on its y-axis so it's scaling vertically in both directions but if I shift the pivot position to the upper left it will now scale from that pivot which will be descending it'll scale vertically towards the bottom of my screen so as I create line breaks we now again get the expected functionality Pretty simple, but very useful features when you're creating templates for paragraphs or you want to have an object automatically scale. Maybe you have a little header bar on a lower third and you want that to automatically scale to the right as you insert different content. Um, very easy to set up using this feature set. All right, we're going to navigate to scene two and we're going to talk about styling our fonts. And for this, we're going to go back to our scene fonts tab and I'll type in some text here. So this is our text. Now, in the Scene Fonts tab, you have a whole host of attributes that affect this font style that you're working with. First off, you've got your font face. And in my font face options, I can change you know, what face I'm using. So is it Arial? Um, is it Heveltica? Whatever it might be. I can change the style. So whatever styles are available within that font family will be available in this list. So if there's a black style, italic, narrow, bold italic, etc., you can make those selections from this list. So I have Arial Black selected. Now I can also adjust the size. So this is the actual size of the font itself, point size of that font. I can adjust the width, which will adjust the width of the characters. It's basically just a multiplier. Slant. Slant is a pretty cool feature. Let's say, for instance, a font that you're working with does not have an italic style, but you want to italicize the characters. Well, what you can do is apply a slant effect to that, which, as you'll see by the description, is a faux italic angle in degrees, right? So as I increase this value, we basically get a faux italic effect. So we can do this for any font. We can italicize it even though there is no italic style in this case. The weight we can increase the weight, and this is basically a full bold effect. So this is creating thicker, bulkier characters um, in this font style that we're working with. Small caps. Small caps is the value that we use to lock a, a specific font style to either be all caps or any f increment in between. So when we're in small caps, uh, when the small caps value is zero, what you'll wind up with is uppercase and lowercase characters. Any value higher than zero will result in lowercase characters appearing as small uppercase characters, hence the term small caps. And if we change that value to 100, you will have all caps. So this is how we lock a specific font style to be all caps, or we can do this small caps effect in any value between 0 and 100. We can adjust the letting, we can adjust the kerning, so if you had multiple lines, right, we can adjust our letting, we can adjust our kerning, our horizontal spacing, and our vertical spacing. 
Now vertical spacing is only applicable if you're working with a text object that's in a vertical layout. If you right click on your text object you'll see options for text layout and you can switch it to vertical and now I have a vertical text field and the vertical spacing will affect it accordingly. Alright, now as we navigate through these different options menus, if we move to options 1, you'll now see attributes for border, stroke, neon. Now, in order to affect these attributes, you first have to turn on the effect. So, I have to turn on a border first, and now I can start adjusting my border thickness. If that is not enabled, you will not see a border, and changing this value will have no effect. We can then adjust the stroke. So a stroke is an inner border, so essentially a border that overlaps the face of the text. So if we turn on the stroke, I can now increase the stroke width as well. And let's make our font a little larger just so you all can see what's going on here. So we'll adjust the stroke width. Right, we have an option for neon. In order to see the neon effect, you must turn it on. And it essentially makes a glow effect that you can adjust the spread on or how soft or how hard that effect is. And then of course we have shadows and this is just your standard drop shadow. So if I turn on the drop shadow, I have an option to switch it between soft or drop. I can adjust the size. I can also adjust the offsets in either direction, increase the size. Now you'll notice that the shadow was black the neon had this green hue and my stroke and border had specific colors as well, black and red. So how do I adjust those colors? Well, that's when we get into editing the materials. Now, what's really unique and really powerful about how creating fonts and expression works is every one of these attributes has a unique material assigned to it. So for instance, the face, if I select face and then go to the edit material option at the bottom here, I can select Whatever material options I want, I can make this font red. I can apply textures to it. I could put a video clip on the face of that font. Right? Whatever you like. Now, I recommend that you watch the materials tutorial to get a better sense of what's possible within the material editor, because we'll cover that in detail in that tutorial. But everything that we talk about in the materials tutorial will apply to these materials that you assign to text objects as well, or that are embedded in these fonts that you're creating. So the same goes for the border. If I turn on the border, it's currently black, but if I select border and select edit material, I can now set my border to any color I want. Right? Same goes for shadow. Right? If we hit edit material, I could make a blue shadow. And of course, apply whatever textures or shaders I want. Now the other fun thing about fonts is every font style that you create in expression, you can also switch to 3D mode. So there's a toggle at the top um, that switches your font style from two-dimensional to three-dimensional. So if I switch this from 2D to 3D, I now have three-dimensional extruded text. And what happens is this attributes list changes to represent the options that relate specifically to a 3D font instead of a 2D font. So where we used to have face, border, stroke, neon, and drop shadow, we now have face bevel extrusion, back bevel, and back face. So I can adjust the extrusion depth by navigating to that option and then adjusting the depth value. 
I can change the tessellation quality. So what is that? If we had a rounded character like an O, if I move this very close to our field of view, you'll see that you can start to see the steps in the 3D object. I can start to see the steps that create the curve right there. So by adjusting the tessellation quality from normal to ultra, for instance, it smooths those edges. We're basically adding more vertices to this 3D object and creating a much smoother edge. Now, generally speaking, the normal setting is uh, sufficient because it wouldn't be very common that you'd have a text object this close to your, close to your eye, um, at least not for very long, unless it was flying past in a transition or part of an animation. So. Keep that in mind, but you can adjust the tessellation quality to get smoother characters. And then we've got control for the bevel, so I can adjust the bevel size. I can adjust the bevel shape, so we can put a rounded bevel. So now we have a smooth, rounded bevel on this text, or on this font that we're working with. There you go. And I can adjust the back bevel and back face, but by default, the back bevel and back face are locked to the front bevel. So if I go to the bevel options, you'll see an option here that says lock both bevels. If I disable that, I can now put a unique bevel on the back and a unique bevel on the front. So if we're looking at our text object, I'll swing it around, rotate this and shift it over. You'll see that on the back side, we now have an angled bevel, a mitered bevel. Whereas on the front side, we have a rounded bevel so generally speaking you know your bevels will be locked um, usually you'd have the same bevel on the back as the front but you can make whatever changes you like here the other slight difference between working with 2d and 3d fonts is that by default we put the same material on the front the bevel um, the extrusion the back bevel and the back face so in order to put unique materials on each face, you have to disable render using single material, which can be found under the extrusion options. So you'll see as I move through these different options, it'll bring up different menus for me. And if I select the extrusion option, I can disable render using single material. And now I can put unique materials on the bevel, the face, the extrusion, the back bevel, and the back face. And again, same principles apply for editing these materials. You can apply textures, gradients, video clips. You could even put live video on your characters if you really wanted to. All right. Now, I think that's a bit much. The lime green and red is uh, striking, to say the least. So I'm going to turn that, turn that off, and we'll just use our red characters. Now, one thing to keep in mind, and this is a principle that applies to a lot of different things in expression, but we use a lot of global assets in your expression project. So for instance, a material can be shared between multiple scenes, and updating that material will then update any object that's referencing that material in your project. The same goes for fonts. So if I create a new scene and I create a new text object and start typing, it's now using the same font, font one, that I was using in scene two. If I edit this font, so if I go to my font face and I try to adjust the size, warning message will pop up and says this font is shared amongst multiple scenes. Do you want to continue making changes to this font, yes or no? This is very important because you may inadvertently change the font styles across many, many scenes if you proceed here. So if you're trying to make a change to a font and you really want 
this font to be unique um, and you don't want it to affect the font in the previous scene, what you'll want to do is create a duplicate. So any font style that you create within your project, you can right click on it and there's an option for duplicate. So I'll make a duplicate font, which is called font two. And let's call this uh, 3D font V2. And we'll select our text object and first, in order to change the font style that we're using, we have to select the characters. So I've just activated the I bar and I hit control A on the keyboard to select all. And then I'll double click on this font style and it'll apply it to this font. Now we really don't see anything change because they're the same. These two fonts look the same, but you'll now see in the used category, I have 3D font V2 being used on this text object. Whereas in scene two, I have font one in use. So if we go back to scene three and we make some kind of change, for instance, we change the size or an even uh, a more dramatic change, like we change the face color completely. So let's make this blue. That has now had no effect on scene two because we've broken the link between these two font styles. They're now independent of one another. Right. So that has been creating fonts uh, 101, so to speak. Um, some pretty basic stuff, but pretty important um, lessons to be learned here. For one, the global fonts, um, making sure you keep track of your fonts, making sure you name them to stay organized inside your project, um, creating 3D and 2D fonts, adjusting your size width, etc. So stay tuned for more tutorials and we'll be exploring some more advanced techniques with text um, in later lessons. So thanks for joining us and hope you uh, return for some more exciting expression tutorials. Take care. Bye-bye.